Uh, thank you, Pete, for the introduction, and uh, and thank you, Mayor Mitchell, Councillor Baldwin, and MP Monsef for for your kind words today and for your support of this great project. Uh, I'd also like to thank you all for coming out today and being a part of sporting history here in Peterborough. I'd like to also give a special thank you to all those who have been involved in getting the project where it is today and to all of those moving forward because we're going to need a community full of support to make this thing happen. Uh, it takes an entire community to do something this special and your support and involvement will be key to the success of this club. Welcome to the corner of Hunter and George. This is our ninth episode. On today's episode we're going to be talking to Peterborough Electric FC's President Rob Jenkins. I'll explain my reasoning for that in a moment and why I suppose that Arts Program is interviewing somebody from our sports community, an important one. But first, I guess I have to start doing these standard podcast things. No, there's no Patreon yet and there won't be in any in the near future. It's not a realistic proposition and kind of arrogant too. I would fall flat on my face, to be frank. But I do f think I can say Corner of Hunter and George. Feel free to subscribe. It's available on Spotify and Apple and SoundCloud and other ones as well. But anyway, the major podcast players, we're out there. And hopefully you'll find the range of people I've had on quite interesting. Anyway, the reasoning for today's episode is that I have to confess something. I have been a sports fan in general since I was probably five or six. And unlike other Canadian kids of my time, while I didn't mind hockey, and I did really like baseball for a time, I... My favorite sports, you know, still today are number one, soccer, and a close second, tennis. Very weird, weird for uh, a Canadian boy. And a strong third is basketball. Um, now, that's maybe not so weird now. Look at our what our women's team did. Look at what the men's team is doing now. They're going to be going to the World Cup. Look at on the tennis world, like Felix Auger Alassim is pretty hot right now. Um, I don't need to say anything about Bianca Andrescu. Basketball, even. Someone like Jamal Murray. But growing up in the 80s, that was a bit of a weird proposition. You Basketball, you didn't have, you only had a couple Canadians who were playing at a college level. Tennis, there was simply no one besides the rare uh, appearance of Carling Bassett that did anything. And soccer was a complete embarrassment, and women's soccer was not really done then. So, when Peterborough decided to get into the soccer world, I couldn't help but drop in on this conversation and I hope you'll enjoy my conversation today with Rob Jenkins just how this sound business proposition uh, excited people in this community and like I keep pointing out unlike this basic I don't know scandalous kind of format that they have in Europe where PSG is taken over by 
you know, this one person who's guilty of his tax fraud. There's Roman Abramovich in Chelsea, who's obviously encountered his problems now with Russia invading Ukraine, but it already was a bit of a slippery slope. There's Man City. It's basically money amplified into the clubs and has basically taken away a sense of competition, little in local ownership, and ticket prices are not affordable for people. Well, here we have a community-based club, community ownership, playing soccer that intends to go to Canada's Premier League in a couple of years, which will just be one step below MLS. And we have a foundation of something that could be quite wonderful. Adding something to our Peterborough Peets, adding something to our lacrosse team. So, enjoy this interview today with Rob Jenkins. Hello. Hi. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Thanks. Thanks for being on and thanks for uh, rearranging date and time and everything. No, no, no worries. No worries. It's uh, bright and sunny Monday morning, right? Who's yes. <laughs> Supposed to, yeah, finally be getting a bit springy this week, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I hear too. So I'm, I'm banking on that forecast because yeah. it's funny yes. for our, uh, dry that pitch out for us. <laughs> yes, yes, because yeah, it's hard. It's hard to think of that even yesterday. If uh, any anyone playing on any soccer pitch outside, but um, yeah. so uh, th- yeah, uh, so yeah, my podcast corner of Hunter and George is mainly um, t- talking with various members of Peterborough's artistic community. But uh, being a longtime soccer fan, I just couldn't resist this. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been one since about. Uh, uh, believe it or not, 1982, when you really couldn't watch too much soccer in Canada, but they did have the World Cup. And uh, I yeah. just, for some reason, really got into Paulo Rossi in Italy when they won that year, I guess because they were considered underdogs. But yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. So, um, gotcha. but uh, you can you explain sort of your original sort of attraction to soccer and maybe your background of what you did in Alberta? Yeah, so it's um, it's interesting actually. I'll, you know, growing up, I was uh, I'm actually from Saskatchewan originally, and um, you know, it's uh, you know being a Saskatchewan Prairie boy, it was you know it was football, hockey, baseball. It was kind of anything but soccer, to be honest with you. <laughs> I uh, you know I played all those other mm-hmm. sports, and um, you know it's uh, it was one of those ones where I moved out to Alberta for work, and and I was working in in the business industry, lots of different uh, jobs, kind of uh, after university and and after I graduated from U of S. And, um, when I was in Saskatchewan, or sorry, when I was in Alberta there, though, one of my sons, I've got three kids and one of my sons really got into soccer actually. And he got quite competitive and, uh, we ended up getting involved in, um, one of the local clubs in, in Calgary there. Um, one of the better ones in all of Canada, actually Foothills, uh, Foothills soccer club. So youth soccer club, it has, you know, you know, players all the way up there. And, and, uh, he kind of got really involved in it and, um, <clears throat> I was always a bit of a fan. Like, again, like I said, I watched, you know, back in the 80s and the World Cups and, and uh, similar to yourself, I was actually a, a, an Italian supporter as well, right? And uh, uh, like Roberto Baggio and those guys back in the 80s and 90s. And, uh, um, you know, and then Toddy, when Toddy came along, he was, uh, he was yeah. the hero, right? So, so I was always a big fan of the game. Uh, never really played it a ton, though. Uh, more of just a follower, supporter. Um, but then once my son started getting involved, I uh, – 
the club itself actually I was looking for some management support and that sort of thing. So uh, with a management background, I came on just on a volunteer role and I volunteered with the youth club probably for about you know eight uh, eight nine years somewhere in that range and. Um, you know, during that time, we really built a strong club there where, you know, the team that we are, my son was on, we ended up going to nationals and we traveled all over the U.S. and um, it was very competitive. On the club side of things, though, we ended up, you know, we struggled to find facilities like everywhere else in Canada during the winter. So we ended up building two different facilities, uh, the last one being a full, full-size indoor pitch that we trained on. Um, <clears throat> but when it kind of became more of uh, the business side of things, I got uh, the club itself decided that they wanted to start a pro-am team, very similar to what we're doing now in Peterborough here, actually. And then that pro-am age group or kind of, you know, in that 20 to 25, 23 or, or you know, that kind of age group. Um, and the club asked me to come on and asked if I would, you know, start basically the business side of that thing. And, and they have a head coach there, Tommy Wielden Jr. He's the cavalry head coach. At the time, he was technical director with us there. And, um, you know, I always say to him is basically the way that we our relationship started there is, you know, he took care of everything on the pitch. I took care of everything off the pitch, right? And then it was a it was a great marriage that way, kind of thing. And um, so so I came on there and ran, you know, the sponsorships and all that sort of stuff up the branding and, and the, the game days. Uh, we did that for about five years, and then lo and behold, the CPL concept came about, where you know the professional game in Canada was starting this new professional league in 2019, I believe. Um, you know, so the club itself, we signed, uh, not a signed up, but we, we formed a partnership with Spruce Meadows Sports Entertainment, the show jumping um, ownership group there. And, and uh, we uh, decided to put together a, a franchise for this new league. And, and they asked me to come on board and do something similar there. Right. And, and that's the first time it actually became a paid gig, though. Up till then, it was volunteer, right, for the last 10, you know, 10 15 years. So. Um, you know, put in a lot of time, a lot of effort in terms of building things that I thought might work and that sort of thing. And then um, in Calgary, then we the very final year of um, our pro-am team with Foothills, uh, we won the entire league, which was a league is a USL two, um, which had 130 teams throughout the uh, the US and, and Canada. Uh, so we were successful. We transitioning. We won that league and went right into the CPL and, and really hit the ground running in the CPL. And um, so. And in, in that club, we basically started that one. We spent a year basically building that club um, prior to launching. And then I was with the club for the first two years um, in the CPL as well. And uh, we hit some real milestones. We were the top team in the cl- in the league the first year. And we knocked off the Vancouver Whitecaps in the Canadian Championship. Um, you know, so a lot of great success that first year. And, um, yeah, had a lot of fun. And, and then... Uh, yeah, and then COVID kind of hit, right? And then kind of slowed everything down. So so that's kind of my background in in, uh, in Calgary there and, and what I was doing and how I kind of got involved in the game. So Right. And is it, uh, I'm just guessing, but uh, if I ask you what brought you to Peterborough, am I, am I correct in saying sort of a combination of maybe COVID and also maybe you feeling like you've done all you could maybe in for foothills in Calgary? Yeah, hundred percent. Actually, is, is basically what what COVID kind of allowed is you know because that season kind of stopped there and then we were ready to go. It allowed me to kind of catch my breath because during the season, you know, the, the initial two seasons, it's it's go go go, right? So, um, you know, it's nonstop. So the reality of it is, is and I, I tell people here, you know, you know, all the time is, if it wasn't for COVID, I probably wouldn't be here because I would have never had that you know that break just to kind of you know kind of reassess things and. And even to consider, you know, an opportunity like this, right, and, and to spend some time doing it. So um, definitely was that. And, and the other part of it, yeah, you're exactly right, is, um, you know, with uh, with Calgary and with uh, with Cavalry FC, it was 
I was always that number two person there, right? I was kind of the assistant GM or they got that sort of role, right? So I had kind of done it, you know, with uh, with somebody and, and kind of as the second in command for those, you know, the pro-am and the pro side of things. And I was kind of looking for that opportunity, to, yeah, to do to do something, whether it was, you know, have my own franchise or, or start uh, start something. And uh, so that was kind of the interest for sure and the, and the draw to a project like this. Um, it was interesting, actually, at the time, because of, again, because of a bit of the break there, I was looking at a few different opportunities in some different cities across Canada. Um, and uh, this one really just, just stood out. It stood out as something that really, really unique. And, um, you know, when I, when I first came out to Peterborough that, that uh, last September, I guess, yeah, a year and a half almost ago, um, you know, I was just blown away by it. I'd never been to Peterborough before, any of those sort of things, right? So it was just one of those... One, those things that kind of really caught my attention in terms of the support and, and uh, you know, the supporting, the supporting community and, um, you know, just kind of in, uh, you know, in the arts community as well. I mean, all of it's just very strong and it's very local, right? And, and I think that's, it's got all of the right makings of, of a really successful sports franchise. And, and soccer is one of those, those trending sports right now where, you know, I think it's, it's a really good fit for that hyper-local, for that really uh, community-based uh, team, so... Yeah, well, I was going to maybe say this for later, but I would say that, yeah, um, uh, one thing certainly that you can say is wrong with the European game right now is just you have these global conglomerates who kind of move in and buy up things. I mean, the latest news of that, of course, is what's happened with Chelsea, but uh, um, it just sort of has lost a local touch and, you know, ticket prices are just not affordable for most people. Um, Mm. So uh, one thing, yeah, it's good to see is having a a local, um, yeah, a local feel to a team and a local, a local league and also the attraction of soccer in Canada, I I think can't be denied. I think uh, it's certainly one of the rising sports if you look at, uh, I'm sure you're quite aware of the, like the ratings we had when our men's team just recently played the U.S. as uh, mm-hmm. whatever that was, just the last time they were playing. You know that I, I forget what it was, but it was like way above. It was like like almost equal to what the uh, NHL was getting, or like higher than what the Blue Jays were getting when they were playing last year, sort of thing. So yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. been great. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't be better timing for us, and that was what we kind of looked at as well. I mean. Mm-hmm. building up to the world cup as well in 2026 and and then yeah i mean we couldn't have planned for the you know the, the Canadian national team to do as well as they're doing but mm-hmm. um you know it, it really works well for us in terms of building a building a new brand and building in this in this world of uh, of soccer especially here in canada and um it's uh it's interesting actually that's one of the things prior to as well i was a bit of a part of the the national team program again, prior to COVID as well. And the last time we played the U.S. actually, Canada and U.S. in Toronto, um, <clears throat> that was the first time we had beaten them. I think this was 2019, though. So before they kind of got on this World Cup run and, and all this sort of stuff, um, you know, I was, I was on the field that day with the, with the players and with the game and uh, really cool experience. And then, yeah, there's something special going on with that group right now. And, you know, for us to be able to, to try to, again, bring something to, to Peterborough here amongst this, you know, this feel right now and this vibe. And the thing I really like about, you know, what's going on with the Canadian game right now is, is you're getting more and more, you know, non-soccer fans uh, in Canada here starting to pay attention, right? And now they're starting to realize, oh, okay, now that this is going on, right? You know, did you watch the game last night and they're talking about a soccer game, which, you know, five years ago never happened, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, one of those things. So that's a really special time. And, and yeah, we couldn't be more uh, more happy to be, to be, yeah, doing something like this during this period for sure. Yeah, uh, so... 
I can tell by how you, what you're saying about your past experience, you have a astute uh, business sense of how to arrange these uh, clubs. Um, and I guess, I guess who should we be giving credit to? I, I read about this, but uh, it's just for the public. Who should we be giving credit to of who helped uh, convince you to come to Peterborough and uh, what sort of support you've gotten in our business community here? Yeah, you know, it's been great. I mean, the initial phone call, uh, you know, basically I jumped on a call a couple of August ago and, and it was, uh, you know, Neil Morton and, and uh, Keaton Robbins were the two, right, who, who um, I think this one, this, I think the idea itself was Keaton's probably about five or six years ago. Keaton Robbins, uh, a young Peterborough lad who, um, you know, had gone away and, and came back and just really always had the driving passion to have a, a, a soccer team here, right? And then he just seemed they're always with one. And I think he joined forces a little bit with, uh, with Neil Morton. Uh, once he came back and he was just, I think what they were trying to do was tell the story, right? Tell the story of, you know, can we do this? I mean, can we get as much support and that sort of thing, right? So they're really the driving forces and and they're the ones who came up with the idea for sure, right? And, um, you know, they're the ones I chatted with in, in that August, convinced me to come and, and they set up all the meetings in that uh, early on in, in that September that uh, kind of convinced me to come here, right? But um, outside of them, there's been some great, great players. And, and one of the things, you know, I know you mentioned it earlier about the ownership group and, you know, when I kind of came on with the project, there was lots of details behind it. But, you know, one of the things I really wanted to make sure that we did is, is built the proper ownership structure uh, to this thing. So we did a lot of research in terms of, you know, European models and and uh, North American models and different models that have been successful. And for us, it, it needed to be community engagement. It needed to be community owned. Um, but at the same time, you know, you also need, you know, the financial backing um, you know, of, of individuals who have the money to, to support something like this. But, and you also, because we're a small business, we also need to be, um, you know, efficient enough, right? And, and uh, be able to run our business and make decisions and that sort of thing. So, you know, so we looked at a couple of different models, you know, we looked at a potential, you know, one or two big owners just owning the whole thing, right? And, and like you said, I mean, that can get you in a lot of problems. And I don't think it lends itself to the community model we were building, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, we looked at the idea of, you know, shareholders and anybody can be an owner, right? And, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, anytime you're starting a small business like that, that becomes very cumbersome and very, um, you know, working with your board of directors and all those sort of things. And it can slow things down a lot. And uh, we also didn't want to get caught up in those sort of things and, and be, a you know, a too big of an organization before we are, right? And, um, you know, so we, we landed on, we wanted to try to find, you know, 15 or so local owners, um, all who fit this different criteria right of uh, different areas and they're going to buy into our our vision and our passion of what we're trying to do and each one of them though that we approached like we ended up approaching about 20 to 25 people uh ended up landed on like about 13 or 14 um is what they ended up with our ownership group but each one of them brings a unique skill set a unique community a relationship group and and it's been really really special that way there's um you know a couple individuals obviously that are that are well financed that are going to help that side of it. There's other ones like Neil Morton, you know, who's really big in the social media and in the community. Um, Richard Wood, who uh, is the Bob Cajun Brewery, owns that one and has been a big part of uh, our beer that we just launched the other day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Kyle McDonald runs his own branding company. So he came on board and he's one of our owners and then he's the one to help build our brand. Uh, him and I, we work together to build that. So strategically, we kind of went and, and um, you know, approached these different individuals um, and just, again, just everyday people, right, is, is that's what we wanted, right? We wanted everyday people that would be able to own this, something that you wouldn't generally think, you know, I wanted people to, to think, you know, that, you know, not people who would have ever thought they could have owned a, a professional sports franchise, right? And 
so that's the kind of people we approach, people that have those connections. And um, obviously, Greg Couch is our majority owner. He, he runs a number of businesses here in, in Peterborough as well. Um, so he's been obviously a, a major part of what we're doing and, um, you know, very thankful for, for his support as well, right? And his partnership with, with Hybrid as well and, and the facility that we're building up there that's going to really support what we're doing. So it's been a lot of players um, to answer your question really long winded but but uh you know it, it just it doesn't stop right and, and i could i could keep going you know listing you know people after people here in town that have really helped this thing off the ground but um it's it's been amazing that way and and something that even when i did it in calgary we, there's no we didn't have anything like this right where we had just you know constant support and and constant um you know people wanting to help and, and do those sort of things so it's been amazing that way well i i think actually long-winded is the best way to put it because i was actually there the day I think last August when you all came to Silver Bean Cafe and you were speaking, I think it was about 13 to 15 different speakers that day. So yeah. <laughs> and that gave me an idea that was you know, quite, well, it's quite encouraging to see that many people behind it because mm-hmm. uh, Peterborough's had its struggles in this post-industrial age of like a lot, a lot of business successes. So that's uh, it's really good to see that happen. Now, a really basic question, but I honestly have not been able to quite pinpoint it. I think you were just answering it, but where exactly will the team be playing? Um, so two different questions. So in 2023, our goal is to be playing in uh, at the hybrid facility where we're we'll building our own pitch and that sort of thing, right? So um, that's uh, that's next year, though. We're going to be training there this year, hopefully when our grass gets up, just because we're still waiting on permits and, and we've got to be able to bring a lot of things in so we want to give ourselves some time to play in our that'll be our own grass facility um this year we are still just finalizing a ship it'll be decided this week we'll be making an announcement this week but i'll be working with both trent and fleming to to have it as our temporary home for this season um so one of those two pitches is where we'll be playing this year and, and it's expected we'll be making that announcement along with our schedule we made later on this week oh okay all right. And uh, like what sort of like um, I know this would just be a one year thing, but what sort of uh, like fan capacity are you expecting for those or is that still being worked out? Well, I think our goal for either one of them and we put together, we put forth some designs for both. And I think either one will, will be a great game day experience. Um, you know, our hoping and our anticipation is capacity. We're going to try to bring it up to about 2000 is where we want to hit. That's kind of our goal for the season. So we're going to be bringing in extra bleachers and extra stands and, um, you know, and the beer gardens and, and uh, some live music and food. And, um, you know, so it, it won't be the, the Trent or the Fleming that, that, you know, today, it'll be uh, quite different. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's our capacity. We're going to build it up to 2000 for the season. Uh, and that's our goal. And, and that's our goal to try to prove the market, right. Is, is, you know, if we get this community behind us and really support us, you know, then we can start pushing to, to three, four and 5,000. So we can go CPL in, in a few years. Okay. Um, and so someone who, like I said, is a big soccer fan, uh, but generally has been limited in my knowledge to what happens overseas. Uh, it's quite, actually quite uh, delightful that you seem like you're saying you were on the same pitch as perhaps Alfonso Davies at one time, you were saying two years ago. So that's, uh, yeah. It was, yeah. It was exciting. Yeah, I got to meet yeah. him and I got that whole, the whole squad that's out there. It's, yeah, uh, they're, yeah, pretty cool. But um, so am I correct in saying like there's the MLS, there's the Canadian Premier League, and then there's League One Ontario that we're in right now. And that's kind of the tier system of it. And 
does that work in a similar like league one to Canadians premier league? Does that work in a similar uh, system to Europe? Like, you know, three teams go up or three teams go down or is it a little different than that? I'm not, I'm not sure that exactly. Yeah, no, it's a little bit different and, and um, league one itself. So there's no correlation between league one and CPL. So there is no promotion, no relegation. Um, again, in North America, that just, it doesn't happen. Right. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a European thing. Right. And, um, you know, we'd love to get to that point. And, and um, the, the financial real, uh, the realistic um, expectations of those are very different though. Right. And that's where um, it, it makes that very difficult because the, the financial investment in a CPL team is very different than it is in a league one team. And um, a lot of league one teams, um, because at the end of the day, there's 22 league one teams right now. And, and a lot of them, it's just the top of their youth pyramid kind of thing. Right. And, and there's other clubs that are doing it very professionally like we are and, and Simcoe Rovers and, and uh, you know, Vaughn and, and a number of clubs that are doing it really well. So there's a really big um, variety within, within the league as well. The one thing that is happening, though, is within League One, they made an announcement a couple, uh, couple of weeks ago, I believe it was, um, that within League One, we are actually going to be going to promotion relegation. So there is going to be a, a first division, a second division, and then a third division kind of thing. So that way it's going to, you know, the, the teams that are competitive and want to play at that top level like us, are going to be competing against other teams that are in that same, uh, same concept. Right. So um, with the CPL and, and for us to reach our goal of going CPL in, uh, in 2024, which is what we've kind of, we've stated um, basically what, what our, we would have to do is you apply for a franchise and, and I've got great relationships with everybody over at CPL. So they're very aware of what we're doing, what we're trying to build. Uh, they're very supportive of what we're trying to do. I think the uh, if we can prove a market of this size can be sustainable and can uh, you know get three four five thousand people at a CPL match, I think it really opens the doors to the, the Canadian game, right? Of not having to put their future franchises in big centers, you know, they can start looking to some some local uh, smaller centers that that can be just as successful if done properly, right? So, I think the leagues themselves. And uh, and League One Ontario as well. They they want to become a more professional league, right? And, and uh, clubs like us are really pushing that envelope, right, and leading the charge that way. So the great thing about what we're doing here is we've got the support of League One Ontario. We also have the support of the CPL, you know, who want to see us succeed, right? So um, you know, it's a great spot to be in when you when you know you've got kind of the backing of those those organizations. Obviously, we've got to prove ourselves and. In, uh, in League One before we're not only on the pitch, but off the pitch more so, to be honest with you, is we got to prove that there's sponsorship. we got to prove that there's ticket sales um, here so that the CPL will say, yep, yeah, let's, let's do that, right? And then let's go for, for Peterborough for a CPL franchise. Right. Um, now, you, seems to have made, you seem to have made two uh, astute hirings with the head coaches of both the men's and the women's teams. Um, and let's face it, the women's team was well ahead of the men's and having success internationally. But uh, can you say uh, any something about both the managers of the men's and women's teams, uh, Michael and Randy? Yeah, you know, Randy's been really, really successful on the women's side. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, at a, a, he's a younger gentleman. He's, uh, you know, but he's been coaching on the women's side for four or five years over in FC London. Uh, and that team um, has like the last three or four years, uh, been very, very successful. They've won the league, I think, three of the years that he's been involved um, in uh, in taking over that program. And he really took over it over the last couple of years. And um, he's really well known in, in, the, in the soccer community, in especially out here east, out east, out here, and, and in Atlantic Canada. As you notice, there's a number of players we've been signing from, you know, Halifax way. And, and that's where he went to school out that way as well. And, and he played out there. So he's got a great relationship. So, 
Um, you know, and, and he's, uh, yeah, you know, I think he's, he's a great tactician and all those sort of things. Got a great energy, really buys into what we're trying to do here. And, um, you know, he's been able to put together a great, great female squad here. And I'm really excited to, to be able to watch them play. And um, I was talking to another coach the other day and uh, out uh, a university level female coach. And, and he said that the squad that you guys have put together is definitely one of the best in the country right now. And he said, it's, uh, you know, I'm, he was excited to watch it as well. Right. He said, Randy's done a great job in terms of building that squad. And um, <clears throat> so he's really taken the lead and, and I'm thankful that we, that we were able to, to get uh, Randy on and, and he's really built great relationships and, and again, be able to build a great squad on that side of things. Um, on the men's side, we actually ended up, um, uh, Michael, uh, because of personal reasons, he was a great hiring. We were really excited to bring on Michael. Um, but due to some personal, uh, circumstances kind of, un, uh, that we weren't aware, of, not, not aware of, but, but, uh, obviously when we first did the hiring hadn't taken place and all those sort of things. So, uh, we did actually part ways with Michael, uh, kind of mutually, uh, just wasn't the right timing for him to move and, and uh, change communities and that sort of thing for us right now. So, um, I have been on the search and, and uh, we have, um, uh, you know, been working on, on a placement on the, on the men's side and, and we have landed on somebody. We'll be making that announcement later on this month. Uh, we're really excited about uh, who we brought on, uh, really well-qualified, exciting, passion for, the, for this uh, project. So uh, we're really excited to make that announcement. Unfortunately, it'll be a couple more weeks and then we'll make that one <laughs> and once, uh, once that okay. individual comes, comes to town. So Okay. Well, back to Randy, Randy Ribeiro, I believe his name, or mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yep. is uh, is he one reason that I seem to notice a lot of our signings seem to come from London, Ontario, like uh, a number, yep. but I think both men and women, but the number of women definitely, yeah, yeah, and I think that always generally happens. I know both Randy and Michael were from London last year, right, and they both been there and, and they built a really strong program um, in London over the last, uh, four or five years there. Right. So it's natural that there's going to be, you know, a core of three, four, five, six players, um, you know, that want to come with you. And, and I think that happens anywhere you go, uh, no matter what sport it is and what, uh, what league and what level, right. There's always those players that you feel, feel familiar with as a coach. Um, so for sure. Right. I mean, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to bring in, um, you know, some of the better players in the league. And, and, and uh, you know, it's not so much because they were from London, but I think it was more because they're, they're top quality players, right? And, and this is a league where um, at the end of every season, every player is a free agent. Um, you know, it's kind of the way that, that the, the league works, right? So we were able to go after, um, you know, a number of very good quality players. And, and most of the ones we brought from London, they were all-stars last year. And, and uh, we just announced Colin Roberts. He came from Barrie last year. He was at Barrie and um, you know, we've signed other players from other clubs as well. So it's not like we're just picking on, on the one club by any means, but, um, but always, you're always going to have that for sure. Right. If you're going to have that core, anytime you bring a coach from another club, they're going to want to bring a few players just so that there's that familiarity. And what I think we've really done here is we've really added around that, that base, right. Of maybe four or five, six players, um, from that squad and really improved, um, the level in terms of bringing in a few guys, who, you know, players who have brought international experience or from other clubs who've been league all-stars and, or from the next level was Zach Ellis Hayden, uh, you know, who's been playing USL championship or Jordan Brown coming over from the UK. So um, we've definitely been able to add to the, to the group that, that, that came over um, as well. But um, again, what we've done is, and, and it's interesting, the, one of the things I think that's, that's really telling to that, that concept as well is there was a number of players on the men's side um, you know, that we brought over uh, that were coming from London, um, you know, and, and then when the, the decision for Michael and us to part ways uh, due to his personal circumstances and stuff, 
Um, not one of those players uh, said, no, we're not coming now. I was just only coming because Michael, you know, told me all this stuff. You know, every one of them, when we talked to them, said, look, I'm here for this project because this is very exciting. We want to be involved. We want to be involved. This is the right place for me to be. Um, it wasn't because, you know, one person or whatever, you know, convinced them to come or that sort of thing. Right. So um, that was really positive, I think, in terms of identifying, OK, they're here for this reason. Um, you know, and I think the more and more we've gone into this, the more we get, you know, I get calls every day, right, from players across the league, not only CPL, but also League One Ontario um, players that are wanting to come play for us, right? And then we've had to basically shut our doors because we're saying, well, okay, our roster is full. <laughs> they have so many spots, right? So, um, you know, I think we've created something really special here and, and hopefully that uh, shows itself not only on the pitch, but in the in the stands and in the stadium on game days as well, that uh, people want to be part of this, right? And, and uh, we're excited and, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, so uh, I definitely do want to talk about some of these, yes, yeah, signings because yes, you seem to have made made quite a few. Uh, you point, you're pointing out a few of them there. Um, I guess I'm just trying to get a, a grasp of. Um, I guess first, first the women. Are we like um, these are often women who've played at like a university level or something like that, and are they? Like, is it fair to say a lot of them, like their careers are kind of still like uh, this will be one stop and like a continued rise of their career. They haven't reached their peak, in other words. Correct. Yeah. And what we try to do with both squads is have a good mix, right? A good mix mm-hmm. of some some veteran professionals, sorry. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of youth, some youth as well. Right. And on the women's side, you're right. It's a little bit more, a little bit more youthful. I think uh, mm-hmm. the signing so far where the majority of them are coming from either U Sports or, um, you know, some NCAA players. Um, and I think part of that is is because there isn't that pro opportunity here in Canada, right? There isn't the pathway, you know, for the different levels of leagues and stuff like that for, for female players to go. And we're hoping to change that. That's what we want to be part of that, that change, right? And bringing that professional game for women to have that opportunity to continue playing. Because in Canada right now, once, you know, once female players are, are done university and that sort of thing, generally they'll, they'll move on to their careers, right? Because there's not the opportunity for them to keep going. So um, for us, we're trying to attract, uh, you know, a number of them, like our first signing, um, you know, Sonia and, and Angelica, we've announced as well, both played overseas. They both played professional, um, you know, so they're bringing the, the experience and, and uh, you know, in that level so that we're still having that experience uh, of people who have played, but the rest of them, the majority of, of the club will be younger um, and exactly that. I mean, players who are still ambitious, who still want to try to, you know, maybe make that Canadian national team, maybe want to go pro. Uh, if we go pro as a club on the women's side, then they would want to, um, you know, go with us, right? That sort of thing. So a little bit different makeup uh, to be between the two teams. This one's definitely a little bit younger, uh, a little bit more ambitious. They got all their future kind of ahead of them and, and um, you know, really excited on the women's side for sure. And that's kind of the reasoning for the difference, though, I think, is, is just the opportunity for women to continue playing in Canada. And and again, hopefully that encourages, you know, the, the soccer community here, here in Peterborough, but not only in Canada as well. And, and to really push this envelope and let's create more opportunities for these these great female players to continue post-secondary and, and keep playing. Okay. And like I said, we've made a lot of great signings. Now, it's not like a sort of expansion draft uh, sort of thing. It's just like you were able to go out and they're like you, you're saying players are available at the end of each year and you just go out and try and get who you like what you can it's fair game sort of thing yeah yeah um, yeah, 100%. yeah so that, that's the nice thing about soccer right is it's just yeah. very different it's different mm-hmm. than a lot of other sports and especially mm-hmm. north american ones where it's all through the draft or it's all through this mm-hmm. so yes 
kind of a free free market, right? And uh, so, yeah, it was very interesting building <laughs> for sure. Right. And is there some uh, signings that you want to highlight, either for men or women or whatever, of uh, who we picked up for this year? Yeah, you know what? I think uh, on the women's side, I kind of mentioned a couple there. Angelica Mihopoulos from uh, she played in Greece. I think it was a great signing. Um, uh, the uh, same thing with Asanya, our, our first signing as well. She she came over from playing in Italy last year. Um, so both both really experienced, great players. Um, you know, but we also have a lot of great young players, and and some of these ones that we've been announcing, you know, Holly Holly O'Neill the other day, and you know, an all Canadian. Like we've got three or four all Canadians, um, you know, who we've announced on the women's side. Our keeper we just signed the other day, uh, Michaela. There, she didn't allow a goal all last season, and that's uh, you know something that's pretty pretty special as well. So, um, you know, a lot of great talent on the women's side so far. Um, again, that good mix of, of youth and experience on the men's side. It's been pretty special to be honest. Is um, you know, I think our first. Our first signing, you know, Zach Ellis Hayden was was a, a massive signing. I think it really, you know, kind of put that mark in the sand and saying, okay, this is the caliber we're going to start to try to bring in here, and and um, you know, like it set the bar very high, and and uh, that's what we wanted to do right for this league. And uh, again, he's played seven eight years down in USL Championship, making really good money down there, and uh, that's kind of that one next right below the CPL as well, or right next uh, below the MLS. Um, you know, and he was right on that cusp of being able to play MLS, right? So for us to be able to attract a player of his caliber uh, to come here and, and play, uh, you know, is amazing, right? And the leadership he's going to bring, the experience. Uh, the other big one, obviously, is uh, was Jordan Brown from uh, from England. Uh, he's played over in Germany. He's played in Iceland. He's played in England. Um, you know, he was part of the uh, some great youth youth academies when he was kind of growing up. And he's one of the players that we had. I had over in Calgary actually when I was in Calgary there in the CPL, and he scored some really big goals. He's a striker, um, you know. And I think that that's one of those positions that that you want to, you know, you've got to have a little bit of flair, right? I mean, in this game, you've got to be able to score goals, and um, you know, goals are a premium in in soccer. And uh, we needed to bring in somebody you know, to put the ball in the net. We know that if we're going to excite this community and, and uh, you know, we want to score some goals and, and play an exciting brand of football. So uh, when someone like him was very important as well, again, we're, and we're getting him in the prime of his career, right? He's 25, 26 years old, um, you know, right in that, in that part of his career where he's going to come in and, and we hope be a real impact both on and off the pitch here. I think he'll be a great guy in the community as well. Uh, and then our most recent one as well. I mean, Quillen Roberts, we just signed him uh, our keeper. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the other day as well, right? An absolute massive signing. We were he was kind of first on our list a long time ago, and and he did go on trial to a couple of CPL teams, and uh, and then at the end of the day decided to uh, to stick around, and come back, and, and play for us, right? He, you know, he came to to visit us a long time ago, and then he said, honestly, this was always you know one of the top on my list. I wanted to play here, right, and and be part of this this thing. So, I mean, there's a player who's played for you know TFC for a number of years. He's played in LAFC mm-hmm. in the MLS for a number of years. You know, he's been capped by the national team. He's, he's scored a goal in the FIFA U-17 World Cup as a keeper. Um, you know, so he's, uh, you know, he played, the, you know, a season with uh, with Forge. And, and he was another great one as well. It kind of came from that first year when I was in the CPL with Cavalry. Uh, he was on Forge and he actually played against us three times. And I think he beat us once and drew once and, and we lost once to him. So it was kind of like a good record, but a great keeper. He had a great success that time. And uh, he's one of those guys, I think, who just needs that opportunity to start, right? I think every place that he's been, whether it was TFC, LAFC, he was always the number two guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And even at Ford, he was kind of that number two. Um, you know, and as a keeper, there's only two of you on the pit. There are only two of you on the team and, and only one can ever start, right? So if you get pegged in that second spot. So uh, he's a, he's an individual, I think he will come over and he'll really shine for us. And 
And, and uh, yeah, we're excited to have someone above all three of those. So it's great. You know, we've got some defensive players, um, you know, some great talent up front. Um, and then we've got some younger ones as well. Like Ethan Gopal, we're really excited to have him up uh, as a forward. He was one of the London boys, but he's done really, really well. I think uh, we can surround him with a little bit more talent like we did with, uh, with Jordan Brown up front and, and some other great skilled players. Uh, he'll be really exciting as well. So um, we're excited. Yeah, you know, we I couldn't be more happy with the way the roster came together, to be honest. Um, you know, we're excited to what it's going to look like and, and uh, yeah, get, get these guys on the pitch, right? So it's been a lot of legwork and it'd be really excited to see that first game. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. That's for sure. Right. Uh, now I noticed somewhere you have kind of your own, I think four rules for success or four requirements are necessary. I don't know if you could talk about that. I, I would suggest maybe one or two of those you may have already met anyway, but uh, just, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's one of those ones that, that we looked at it as, um, you know, again, I do a lot of reading, I do a lot of research and, and I like to know uh, on the business side of things. I love, I love the, the business of sports, right? And, and one of the things that uh, I kind of, I kind of took this, this was from MLS actually. So when they look at franchises, um, they look for four key areas of, uh, to be able to say if, if you can be a successful franchise or if you're going to get a bid uh, to be a successful franchise. So um I mean, one of them obviously is you need community support and by community support, they need, you need fans in the stands, right? And, and you need fans in there, you know what you're doing and, and uh, you need to have the support of the community. Um, the second one is, is corporate support. You've got to have in, in these industries, you've got to have, um, you know, corporate support for, for what you're doing. And, and uh, again, especially when we're going with an organization like this, we don't have, you know, some big, you know, multi-billionaires running our organization, right? So, you know, we want to run an organization that's self-sufficient, um, that uh, is doing those. So between ticket sales and corporate sponsorship, I think are the two big ones there. Um, the other ones that we need is um, facilities. Facilities are a big one, right? Uh, any organization that, that you, um, any sort of club that you bring in, um, you know, you need to have the facilities to run it, right? And, and that's something, one of the big things that's lacking in Canada is is the proper, you know, especially sport-specific soccer facilities here in Canada, right? So, um, that's one of those things that we decided we wanted to make sure that we had right. And, and again, having a great partner with Greg and, and hybrid sports is, um, has really worked for us on that side of it. Right. So, um, and, um, oh, and then obviously strong ownership. Sorry. <laughs> I just took yeah. my list. I knock on the door there too. Um, no, and the other part is, is a great ownership group, right? You need to have the facilities, right. Or you need to have the, sorry, the, the financial capacity to run a pro sports team. Right. So, uh, we went with this route. So those are kind of your four big ones. Um, and then obviously as kind of a fifth kind of, you know, within the, within the ownership one is kind of the, the corporate structure, right? You need to have the organizational capacity to run those things, right? So those are what any, any league in the CPL or MLS, whichever league you want to get into, those are the kind of the four to five categories they're going to look for is, um, yeah, ownership structure and, and organizational capacity. They're going to look for facilities. They're going to look for sponsorship and they're going to look for fans and, um, you know, so we've kind of put that again on our board throughout the office here and, and uh, you know, and we're kind of putting it out there that that's, that's what we're looking for, right? That's what we're looking to do. And that's what we're looking for year one here, especially to, to be able to identify even for us and for our ownership group and the community, you know, can we hit those targets, right? And, and can we hit those in terms of putting in a bid to go CPL? Um, because it's a big investment, right? It's a big investment and, and we don't want to go into it and, and, uh, and not be successful doing it, right? So, um, it's interesting though. It's funny because one of the things, you know, it seems counterintuitive a little bit, the fact that, you know, from, you know, those four 
you know, kind of for points that you're trying to do, not one of them actually has to do with anything on the pitch is the reality of it. Right. Because uh, it's, um, you know, anybody can build a great strong team and and win on the pitch and that sort of thing, but without the support um, of the community and of all those sort of things, it's uh, it's not going to work. Right. So it's, uh, it's always an interesting one. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, that yeah, that is a business of sport. It's encouraging though to see a lot of it is based on you know community fans and community support. Uh, like I said, sort of overseas, a lot of the, at least the biggest franchises are highly dependent on like just you know outside investors coming in and taking over, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, let's, let's get to here. Um, so. Uh, whenabouts, I guess, are we, uh, when is the first game, uh, for, uh, our men or women's teams? Well, both. Yeah. So the league's going to kick off the weekend of April 23rd, mm-hmm. uh, for both of them. Right. So we're again, the final schedule is just getting finalized, uh, right now. It looks like, um, according to everything that I've seen, we'll probably start on the road, um, and give ourselves a little bit of time. So our, our home opener will probably be early May kind of that first weekend or so of May. Uh, but our league itself will kick off that weekend of April 23rd. And um, yeah, we're excited to, to be able to announce, uh, yeah, kind of see that later on this week once the schedule is finalized and then who that first opponent will be and and uh, see if we can get maybe a, a group of road fans come 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 with us, right? And that would be pretty amazing. <laughs> so Right. And is it is sort of, are you suggesting it might be sort of this for this year only sort of back and forth between Trent and Fleming or just or just one of them? Um, no, I think we're really looking to have one home. Um, you know, I think we're, uh, yeah, no, we, we really want to be one place. And because once we get the bleachers in there and set up and all those things, right, it's uh, tricky to move them back and forth. So, um, you know, I think we're going to be working with both, both organizations and both schools either way. Um, you know, I know we're utilizing, we've a, you know, done a great partnership with Trent for, um, you know, some of the player housing we're going to utilize during the off season, um, and then during at Fleming, we're also, we're going to be using the, the training pitch, uh, while our, because our, our training pitch up at hybrid is just, the sod is just getting laid. Um, you know, hopefully once, uh, as soon as the snow all melts, like we were talking about earlier. So we're going to get our sod down and, and lay the grass for our pitch, but it won't be ready for another 60 days or so after that. So we're going to use uh, temporarily, we're going to train out at Fleming for the first couple months of the season as well. Right. So whichever one we ended up playing in, in terms of our matches, you know, we're doing partnerships kind of with both schools still. And then again, I think it's important, right? We want as many people involved and uh, many great organizations in the city involved as possible. So we wanted to make sure that we were working, you know, in partnership with both clubs. And um, But yeah, no, in terms of the match day, it'll probably be one or the other because we want, again, we want to be able to create an atmosphere, um, you know, that's consistent, that players can, or that players and supporters and fans can expect when they come to the game, they're going to know what to expect. Uh, and that only happens when you have one venue and, and that's kind of your, your, uh, your, your home field. So. And it's uh, there um, kind of an organization, perhaps where you worked in Alberta, uh, is there sort of you, an organization that you sort of model Peterborough electric FC after like, uh, uh, like wanting to work in this way. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, which I think what you always do is anytime you've worked, I mean, I've been for the two or three different clubs that I've been with in the past, right? And, you know, between those two clubs, between uh, working with the Canadian national team and, and how they operate their things a little bit. And the other great thing I was able to do is during my time, when anytime you're in the pro the pro world and the pro industry of, of sports, you get to know all the other clubs as well, right? So I got to know 
um, you know, the operations teams and, and the management teams of all the different clubs in the CPL and the MLS as well, because we played against Montreal and we played against uh, um, Vancouver. So I got to know all of those. So I really got to, you know, not only the, the, the organizational structure and how we operate, but I've always, I always like to be a sponge, right? And so every time we went for visiting games, I always like to take in, you know, how those clubs operate and, and uh, really talk to them and, and um, you know, see their game day experience and, and then try to pick little pieces from it all. Right. And one of the other things I really love to do is when, you know, before kind of when COVID allowed a little bit more travel is during the off seasons, I'd always like to travel overseas. And uh, the, the previous year before, before uh, COVID all happened, I went over to, to Portugal and Spain, um, you know, went to a Real Madrid game, an Atletico game, a Benfica game. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to some lower level games in Portugal as well. Um, again, just to be able to see what they do, right? And and the year before that, I went down uh, to Central America and went to a few Mexi- games in Mexico. Uh, went into the Dominican and, and uh, watched some matches there. Um, I just like to be a, kind of that sponge and see how it's done all over the world and try to bring those best practices, um, you know, back here. And so, um, I mean, definitely, I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of the operations and how I'm running things to the way that we built them in Calgary, in Calgary and with Foothills, with those two clubs. Um, but I like to think that I kind of took the best of those and, and kind of improved on them, right? And, and kind of took little pieces from lots of other clubs around Canada and around the world. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see the the fruits of that labor. Okay. Now, just uh, just one just one or two things just here to close off um, for the for the fan. Are there still season tickets available for for this year? There are, yeah. So, and that's a big part of what we're trying to push yeah and, and uh, you know to encourage people to, to get their season tickets right now we have season ticket deposits available um because we didn't we can't launch our season tickets until the um until the schedule is available so um basically what we've got this week is we've got season ticket deposits available and, and if you get your season ticket deposit um we're actually putting together a really cool kind of once uh, a commemorative item that you're able to purchase as well that'll have a a picture from the first team. It'll be a plaque that you'll get to to keep. And, you know, it's got a picture from the first match, the, the, a commemorative ticket from the first match. So something, and then your member number on the bottom. So something you can kind of cherish and put up in your office or at your home that, you know, will only ever happen this year. Right. So, and that'll be exclusive to people who put down their season ticket deposit. Uh, once the deposits are done, um, which is actually as of this Friday, uh, they'll probably be, the deposits will be done. So that'll be your last chance to, to get on board and, and have access to one of these, commemorative um, plaques. So uh, then once the season's out, basically once you'll uh, for the season ticket deposit holders, you'll get uh, your spot in line as well. Right. So the next week we'll be contacting all of our season ticket deposit holders. They'll be able to reserve their tickets and actually buy their season tickets. Uh, and then once that's done uh, kind of mid to late next week is when the, the proper season tickets for the, will go on sale for the public as well. So um, absolutely. We highly encourage uh, we're, we're making it as affordable as possible. One of the other things we've really tried to do this with this club is, is make everything that equal opportunity. And then again, be that kind of, you know, you know, club that, that really recognizes the female game and the women's game. So uh, all of our season tickets are for both clubs or both teams We're you know, the, the moniker that we always use or the words we like to use is we're one club. We've got two teams, but we're one club, right? So when, when anybody buys a season ticket, it's for both of our teams, it's for our men's and our women's. So you're going to get 20 home matches, um, you know, and they're going to range in the neighborhood of, you know, about 200 to $250 um, for the season tickets. So you're looking at about $10 per match, which is uh, pretty affordable um, in terms of coming out to something like that. So 
Um, but yeah, we're excited. So that's, that's definitely, we want people to get on board and season ticket deposits are available online right away and you can get to your spot and that way you can get, uh, get access to a commemorative thing and book your spot in line for the, for the tickets when they go on sale next week. Okay. And that's electric city, uh, fc.ca, correct? Dot uh, com. Dot com. Okay. Yeah. City fc.com. Yes. Okay. And, uh, well, I must, uh, well, thank you for this today. And I must, uh, also sort of, uh, give you applause that, uh, this is like all the signings you've done and, and you're going to have a new, you're still putting sod down, like you said, for your training facilities. You want to have a new spot to play next year and you want to be, however it's done, you want to be promoted within two years. So that's quite, yeah. uh, that's quite ambitious. So that's, uh, um, that's, that's great to see and, uh, best of luck on this. And, um, yes, I hope to come to at least a few this year myself. And, uh, I, 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 um, yeah, thank you very much for being part of this. And, um, I'll, I'll put this together for you soon and I'll, um, I'll, I'll show you, I'll send it to you sometime this week when I'm done. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me, Tim. I really appreciate it. It's been, been fun. It's always good yeah. when I can tell the story, right? It's so, uh, you know, I feel that we've been pretty fortunate to what we've been able to do here. And, um, you know, so yeah, anytime we can kind of tell the story and then spread the word, right? I'll uh, always take those opportunities. So <laughs> thanks a lot. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Well, I hope you, you found that quite encouraging. Uh, like a sports franchise coming to Peterborough, maybe in a semi pro kind of manner. But could be going further. It's gotten lots of community support. Rob Jenkins is a man who's had success before doing this in Alberta, like he was talking about with his Foothills FC. And there's a solid business plan there. Not that I'm usually one to go on about such things, but I have to in this case. And we get to see it this year. The idea of a soccer, football, whatever, club coming to Peterborough, not something we would have thought of not too long ago, but there's been a lot of individuals who got excited at the idea and want to see this happen. And to be frank, it's something that could give life to Peterborough in a sporting sense, but also just overall. So I was quite happy to have this opportunity. Thank you, Rob, for talking to me. I'll leave out now on like a promotional video of Electric City FC. I suggest you look at their website, electriccityfc.com, for all their information and tickets for upcoming games that are going to be starting, like you said, in the latter part of April. So I'll see you next time on Corner of Hunter and George. Can't wait. Episode 10. In some ways it comes down to who's ever wanting to talk to me, so we'll see what it is. See you next time.